Hello, welcome to the Great Lake Horror Company's annual Women in Horror Month episode. This year on our roundtable, we have three wonderful ladies. I'm pleased to introduce Leslie Hatton, Morgan Sylvia, and Lisa Morton. Now, before we continue, I'm going to ask each of them to tell us a little bit more about themselves and what they do in the genre. So I'm going to pass it off to Leslie first. Hi, uh, again, I'm Leslie Hatton, and I have written for a number of horror publications, both online and in print. I have been writing for Rue Morgue for a few years. I write for a blog called Everything is Scary. I also write for Modern Horrors and Diabolique magazine. And I've recently been published in the spectacular optical anthology called Yuletide Terror, which is about Christmas horror in film and television. And I basically try to watch a movie every day. How about you, Morgan? Okay, well, um, I am a horror writer. Um, I live in Maine. I actually am also a full-time freelance writer. Um, I write short stories, poetry, fiction. I just released my first novel last year, which is called The Bullet. That came out from Bloodshot Books. Um, the newest thing I have coming out, I'm going to be in Endless Apocalypse, which is coming out from Flame Tree, um, which is actually being released, I believe, March 1st. Um, I also love horror movies, and um, I also do a little bit of metal journalism on the side, and um, I think that's kind of me in a nutshell. And last, but certainly not least, Lisa Martin, what about you? Hey, hi. Um, I write fiction and nonfiction both. In a previous life, I was a screenwriter. Um, my most recent books include Ghost, A Haunted History, and uh, an anthology I co-edited with Ellen Datlow called Haunted Nights. Um, I'm a Halloween expert, and I am currently the president of the Horror Writers Association. I want to know, how old were you when you first got bitten by the genre bug, and how did it happen? Um, hmm. Well, I think for many years I pretended that I wasn't a horror fan, even though I watched horror as a kid and was terrified of it and had nightmares, much to the chagrin of my parents. But I don't think it was until I was in my early 30s that I finally admitted that I was a horror fan. I think I always had this, you know, outside image that, oh no, horror scary, even though I watched horror movies all the time and I loved reading horror fiction and, and short stories and watching TV shows. And I think in my 30s, that was when I started to really embrace it and try to watch as much as I could and read about it as much as I could. So even though I, you know, had already been doing it, I think I was sort of like in the horror fan closet, so to speak, for a long time. Um, I was pretty young, actually. Um, I was an only child. I grew up in Maine, and my mother was a librarian. So I didn't have any siblings to play with. We were kind of in a sort of remote area. And um, so there were a lot of days where I would tell my mom that I was bored, and her reply was always to read a book. So I was reading two or three books by the time I was a day, by the time I was in second grade. And I remember I actually was published when I was in second grade. It was a unicorn story that my teacher submitted to some young main author's compilation. I actually still have it to that day. So technically my first publication credit was, I was seven, it was a unicorn story. Um, as far as me moving into horror, um, I kind of always just kept writing and then just, I wrote a lot of fantasy at first and I still do write quite a bit of fantasy, but just as my taste in the 
kind of, I guess, tasting everything got darker, I just started gravitating more and more towards darker fictions. I'm not sure exactly what point I crossed over to the dark side, but um, it's been kind of a long process for me. And um, I, yeah, somewhat similar to Morgan, I was an only child, and and, um, I always loved monsters and horror movies. When I was a kid, my dad and I would make Aurora monster models, and um, I we both really loved that and we loved sitting together and watching scary movies. And although I think it wasn't until I was 15 and saw the exorcist that I realized that this was what I had to do for a living. Uh, I saw it during its first, um, about there were about three months after it had opened, but it still had these record crowds and big sold out audience. And I think I was 14 or 15 at the time and it just completely changed my world. I couldn't believe that a movie could have that effect on people. And, and that horror could do that to people. And so after I saw that movie, it changed everything. And I knew I wanted to do that for a living. Maybe there's something behind this only child thing, because I'm an only child, too. That's that's three out of four in this room. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that I'm really curious about is, what is it about the dark stuff that attracts you? Well, I think I've always liked being scared, even though, like I said, as a kid, I... I would have nightmares and, you know, that would really annoy my, my parents. And I would stay awake at night thinking something was going to show up in my window, but then I would still continue to watch scary things and read scary stories. And I think when I really started to embrace it and um, kind of pinpoint what it was that I liked about it, it was, I felt like when you watch a movie, it's kind of like a roller coaster where you're scared in the moment, but then afterwards it's like an exhilaration. But more than that, with horror pop culture, there's a way to sort of explore your fears in a safe way. So you're not actually being chased by someone with a hatchet or there's not actually some demon that's going to possess you. And so you can sort of explore those ideas without physically being harmed. And that was really appealing to me because when certain things had happened in my life that were pretty traumatic, those things were real and they stayed with me, but horror was a way to sort of get that um, sort of a cathartic experience to deal with my emotions in a way that wasn't actually going to have longstanding effects. In fact, the longstanding effects were positive because I was able to deal with those emotions without um, internalizing them and, and sort of having, um, you know, I guess phobias about things because it was just a movie or it was just a book or just a TV show. I would kind of echo that very much. Um, I think horror, one of the, the jobs or the functions that it has, uh, it taps into the emotion of fear, which is very much tied into our most basic survival instincts. Um, the fight or flight instinct is, you know, it's been around since we were first in caves. And I think being able to tap into that without physically putting yourself in danger it can be a very powerful and cathartic experience. Um, and there's also just, to me, I think the unknown can also be very terrifying. Um, just not knowing what's out there and the possibilities of what could be out there um, are probably a lot more interesting than what we do know about, you know, about what's going on there. I remember being very little and just looking out into darkened woods and wondering what was out there and, you know, having nightmares that there was Yeti monsters coming through the trees or things like that. And it was, just a very powerful um, and in ways very beautiful thing to explore. 
And uh, I'll come back to your question, Monica, about the fact that so many of us are only children. I think there actually is something to that, because I think one of the things that I know I loved early on was being able to side with the monsters because I always felt like an outsider. Um, I knew I was, um, you know, not like all the other kids who had brothers and sisters, and, and I was smarter than a lot of the other kids, and I was a very weird little girl. And so I would watch a movie like Frankenstein, and I would really relate to the monster and um, living on the outside of society and, and so forth. And so that was something that really resonated strongly with me. But of course, that there is tied into that that element of being able to um, sort of give yourself the cathartic experience through a pretend horror is very powerful. Now, horror is kind of more in the mainstream uh, these days than it has been in a long time, what with uh, all the horror on TV and the huge fan following of The Walking Dead. And yet there's still a bit of this stigma that uh, at least I get it from the people that I know in my life that uh, don't work in the genre, which is, oh, why do you want to write about that stuff? Wouldn't you rather be a newspaper reporter or wouldn't you rather write biographies or something nice? Um, so I'm curious, uh, how have people in your lives who are outside of the genre um, reacted to discovering your passion for horror or, and discovering that you are a creator in the genre? I think most of the people that I know now, because um, I'm originally from the U.S. and I moved to Canada about 13 years ago, um, I've actually found a, a real community of people who are into horror. So I don't feel the need to explain it to them so much. Um, when I talk to my family back in the States, uh, a lot of times they are a little perplexed by it. But I think that they have realized that, um, and having read my writing too, they realized that, you know, this was something that I've always really wanted to do. And they've been a little bit more accepting than I think maybe I thought they would have been. Um, but it's interesting because I will be in conversation with people at times who don't really know that I'm interested in horror, that I write about it. And they'll kind of say these blanket statements like, oh, horror so terrible today. There's no good horror movies anymore. And then I'm just like, oh, really? And then I just get ready to school them. And then they, they pretty much just stop talking and listen to what I have to say, which is kind of nice. Um, so I haven't really had that experience as much just because I've kind of, I guess, surrounded myself with people who are really into it. And uh, so I've, I've not, I've, I guess I've kind of avoided that problem for the most part. Um, I think with me, there's, there's kind of a difference between, um, the answer to that as far as my personal life and my professional life. Um, I worked at a newspaper for a long time and I did obituaries and that's one of the reasons that I started using a pen name was just because it could have gotten really sticky if I put out, you know, a, a zombie movie and then somebody, you know, not a zombie movie, I'm sorry, a zombie story or something. And then somebody saw that and my name on the obituary paperwork, like obviously that may not have worked out well. Um, and just from a professional level, I just, I kind of try to keep it kind of separate. Um, as far as my personal life, um, I think pretty much everybody knows me. And I just, I always kind of just think that, you know, this isn't for everybody and, you know, it's not going to appeal to everybody. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I kind of like that it's not, you know, that, that the entire population doesn't love for. I think that's kind of part of what makes it special. I, I have always found that there seems to be a sort of odd, cultural disconnect when it comes to horror. I, people would say to me, 
I mean, my own mother said, why don't you write something people want to read like James Patterson? Which, of course, I immediately responded to with, oh, you mean like Stephen King? Yes, the world's most successful writer is writing horror. And, and that just somehow had never occurred to her. And, and I, I, get, I used to get that fairly often. Like I might be standing in line at a bank wearing a shirt that had a sort of horrific graphic on it. And people would say, oh, you like the blood and guts. And, and I would say, no, I like horror, which goes way beyond blood and guts. And, and you would start to mention a few things to them. And they would say, oh, I never thought of that as being horror. Um, the good news is that I think that's changing. I haven't gotten that for a while now. So um, I think people are starting to realize that there's more to horror than just blood and guts. Now, of course, it's Women in Horror Month, which is why we're here. But this year, as of every year, there's people who love the event and there's people that hate the event. There's people that feel it's very necessary. There's people who feel it's completely unnecessary. I'm curious as to what each of you think about Women in Horror Month. Is it doing what it's set out to do? Do we need to be screaming from the hills? I always like any month that's dedicated to something because I think it's good to kind of keep a topic in people's minds that maybe they wouldn't think about normally. And one thing about having a month dedicated to women in horror is that it kind of encourages people to write more or create more to be a part of it. And it's always nice to feel like you're part of a movement or a community that's doing something positive. I know that, like you said, there are people who think, well, you know, for me, every month is Women in Horror Month. So I don't feel like one month is enough to really dedicate to it. And that's totally understandable. Uh, some people do it all the time. Uh, so they just kind of think that it's a lifestyle thing for them and not necessarily just a one month event. But I like Women in Horror Month from a selfish reason, because then I get to read articles about women in horror or, you know, talk about it on podcasts and think about it in a way that maybe I wouldn't think about horror during the rest of the year. So I enjoy the things that come out of it creatively. And I do think that it has maybe put women in the spotlight a little bit more than maybe they would have been to those who still labor under this delusion that women don't like horror or women, you know, can't make horror fiction or films or anything. Um, so I can see both sides of it, but I, I still think it's a great thing. Um, I, I try to really focus on the more positive aspects of it, which is to me, I kind of look at it as a celebration of women in horror. And I think it's always a great time to find new writers and new actresses, new directors, things that are going on and just try to see it as a celebration of, you know, where we are and where we've come and things are by no means perfect, but, you know, if you kind of look at the glass half full, um, there's also a lot more women working in the horror genre now than there probably ever have been. So I think that's a great thing. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's wonderful to see every every year it gets a little bit bigger and bigger and, um, you know, every year there seems to be a little bit of a kerfuffle over something, but I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's really beginning to build a, a community among horror writers, and I love to see that. Yeah, I, I have kind of a mixed feeling about it. I mean, every year when it comes around, there's a big part of me that says, oh, God, do we still need this? But obviously we do. Um, so in that regard, I'm really happy when it comes around every month, and, and I do get to see all of the, the posts about great women horror writers. And I do, do always discover a few new ones, which is very exciting. And, you know, this year in particular, I think the the celebration of women in horror has a special um, 
emphasis just because of the whole thing that's happening across the entire culture. Which is a great lead into my next question. Um, getting a little more personal for a moment, as three women who are actively working in the genre right now, how did it treat you and those around you in 2017? I don't know about horror specifically, but in the wider pop culture sort of community, I definitely noticed the types of people that were, you know, allies and advocates and the ones that weren't. And then the ones that said they were advocates, but kind of weren't, they were just sort of performative feminists, to use a phrase that I've seen before. And I think it's also made women who do work in the genre more comfortable saying, you know, we're not going to put up with this kind of treatment. We're not going to put up with being marginalized or silenced and feeling like there are so many people behind them that feel the same, that they're more emboldened to speak up in their own defense or the defense of others. And that I think has been really great. Um, I've also felt a lot more comfortable sort of expressing my opinions on these issues without fear of, you know, reprisal or kind of being silenced for myself. So that I think has been really good. Um, I think for me, as far as career wise, it was, it was a great year for me. Um, I put out, I think four stories in, in anthologies and my first novels, and I haven't been able to compare a year before that. So for me, the, the go-to answer would be, I had a great year. Um, obviously it's, you know, we're, we're living in very turbulent times and, um, I think that there's a lot of great people in the horror community that, you know, really want to push for marginalized voices and, you know, lift each other up. And um, I just, I hope that trend continues that, you know, we continue to see more of each people supporting each other rather than tearing each other down. I guess that would be maybe to segue a little bit, but I guess that would be my hope for the coming years. But, um, and I agree. I think that, you know, we're at a point where we're just not going to put up with, um, misogyny or, or things like that anymore and we've kind of come into our own a little bit so I think it's a it's a very exciting time in horror to be a woman in this genre and for me I kind of have to separate personal out a little bit from running a large nonprofit writers organization um personally it was I mean in both situations it was a great year for the HWA it was a really good year for learning um I learned a tremendous amount about what's going on with other writers, about ways to deal with this. Some of it's been pretty um, turbulent and, and a little bit stressful from time to time, but it's all been um, a forward movement, and it is really exciting to watch. Hey, I'm going to put out uh, a question out there that's uh, maybe going to make people mad at me a little bit, but um, I'm going to be blunt about it. Why should people read books by female authors? I don't know why they shouldn't read books by female authors. I mean, <laughs> other than the fact that women have traditionally been sort of marginalized in all fields of art, but particularly horror, there really shouldn't be a difference. Uh, I think people should be open to different perspectives. Um, I think women writers who are um, people of color have a lot to say. So I find that I've started seeking out writers from different 
uh, cultural perspectives, which I think has been really eye-opening. And there's a lot of great writing out there, people that are different from me. So that would be, you know, people on the LGBTQ spectrum, people who are from different racial or ethnic backgrounds, people of different class backgrounds. Um, and so that, you know, I don't, if it was men, nobody would be asking this question. Um, not to cast any aspersions on your question, but it just seems like good horror writing is good horror writing and it shouldn't really matter who writes it. Um, it'd be nice if we could get to a point where that was the way it was. I think we're kind of getting close to that or, or moving towards some sort of level playing field. I absolutely agree. Um, I mean, I, I guess for me personally, I wouldn't want anybody to read me just because I'm a woman. I would want you know people to read me because they're interested in what I'm doing. Um, but it, it kind of reminds me of this quote, and I might get this a little bit wrong, but it says something that somebody who doesn't read leaves, lives one life and people who read live thousands of lives. And I think every book that you take in exposes you to a different little corner of the universe. And I think that's, that's a great reason for people to read not only women, books by women, but, you know, books by minorities and just people from different, you know, countries, cultures, walks of life, just because you're exposing yourself to a broader universe and a broader world and i think that's kind of that's one of the things that art does and is supposed to do and i mean that's really kind of the point of, of storytelling in a way i think is to put forth a different point of view and a different you know tell a story so um i think that's that's about what i would have to say about that um but again yeah i mean hopefully people read women in horror because women in horror write some awesome books <laughs> Yeah, I think Leslie and Morgan pretty much nailed it. There isn't much I can add to that, but just to say, you know, sometimes you have to really seek these books out too. Um, um, a lot of the women who are coming up right now are being published by the smaller press and, and they may not be getting as wide a promotion as some of the other authors are. And um, it really pays to seek them out because they're writing amazing stuff. And that brings us to who, in your opinion, should we be reading? And did you read any great books or stories by women in 2017 in particular that we should be talking about today? I read a lot of horror writing online, and I read um, lots of good articles uh, on lots of websites. Um, but in terms of, you know, fiction specifically, I read two really good books last year. And interestingly, both, I think, cover subjects that are usually considered more the domain of male horror fans. One of them was called We Eat Our Own. It's by Kia Wilson. And it's a fictionalized look at um, the sort of cannibal horror movie craze uh, in Italian cinema in the 70s. So it takes some facts that were revealed in various interviews about behind the scenes things that were going on. And then it sort of weaves a narrative into there and kind of gives it a broader perspective. It's a really fascinating book. The other one that I liked a lot was The Witchfinder's Sister which takes the basically the story of um, the Witchfinder General, but as if he had a sister. And the whole tale unfolds from her perspective. And it's, it's a pretty amazing book because there's so much in it that is kind of reflected in what's going on in culture now in terms of paranoia, you know, in, from the religious standpoint, culture wars, things like that. And considering the time period that this, you know, takes place, which is like 18th century, um, it's pretty neat 
that it feels really fresh. Of course, it's fiction. She's not taking this from, you know, a diary of of this person's sister, but it's it still does cover a lot of things that actually happened, but sort of through a different lens. Um, both of those books, I would highly recommend to anybody who's interested in either just female horror writers or you know horror cinema history because it does play off on both of those that are the both of the books play off on those themes as for women coming out in the genre i would definitely recommend sisters of slaughter um melissa Layson and michelle garza because i didn't just get their names backwards um as far as what i read this year i actually i actually last year i revisited a couple of old school favorites um i get uh Anne rice the witching hour um it's not a new release, of course, but I think it's an amazing series. And um, also some of Lee's stuff, who she passed on. I'm pretty sure it was in 2017, possibly it was 16, but she's one of my favorite authors. Um, and there's just more and more to choose from. I actually have a kind of, kind of ADD as far as what I read, so I'm a little bit all over the place. I do also read a lot of fiction and memoirs. There's, there's a lot I like. Um, just listing a few off the top of my head. I love anything by S.P. Mizkowski. Um, I had the privilege of publishing one of her stories in Haunted Nights, and I was kind of a fan before that, but her book um, that's on the uh, Stoker ballot for best novel right now is amazing. I love how urban her stuff is, which it's very contemporary, very urban, which is something I like. Um, I also love Rena Mason's work. Rena is interesting because she brings almost a scientific edge to a lot of her work. And and that might be something that is often not associated with female writers and should be. And um, I like Kate Jones's work a lot, too. It's it's very tough and has a really unique feminine perspective on things. And she's also interesting because she runs a small press and puts out really interesting works through her own small press, Omnium Gatherum. Um, do you guys feel that uh, we're seeing more women getting published now than, say, 10 years ago? I can't speak for fiction so much. Uh, I would. Uh, it seems like it. It seems like I'm hearing about a new horror fiction book by a woman writer almost every other day, even if I don't always have the time to read them. Uh, in journalism, for sure. Um, I, I've read some really great things in the last year. Graveyard Shift Sisters is um, doing a black women horror fans and they take a really sort of um educational approach and um academic they even provide like um like a syllabus um i like a lot of the writers at diabolique uh cat ellinger and sam deegan in particular they do a lot of cult sort of films um maybe even the, the underground of cult and so they have a great grasp of film history and there's also sort of more mainstream um, horror female cultural critics. Um, there's Anya Stanley. She does Devious Dialogues, uh, which is like a conversation series with another writer, Mike Thorne, who actually writes horror fiction. That's on Vague Visage. And Angela Englert at Cultural Gutter. And then Erin Miskell uh, at Backseat Driver Reviews. But she, she also writes for Diabolique. Um, and they tend to cover a lot of things that maybe would be considered um, more mainstream or kind of the horror stuff that's not necessarily artsy, but still worth um, talking about and analyzing. Um, 
I think so. And I think there's also a lot of women kind of in the rooms next door to her. Um, definitely a lot of women um, in the paranormal uh, paranormal romance field, which is, I think, kind of a, a cousin to horror in many ways. Also in fantasy, we're seeing quite a few women um, and minorities. As far as journalism, I, I would also have to agree. And uh, in the screenplay world and, and movie world as well, it seems like we're seeing more women directors and more women leads coming out, which um, is great keep it going. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think we're seeing more. I, I can remember 10 years ago, like being the only woman in an anthology fairly often. Um, and that is much scarcer these days. Now, as we begin to wind this down, what areas do you feel that the genre could still do better in? I would like to see stories that go beyond the typical woman in peril. I mean, sometimes that can be good, and I'm not saying like a blanket statement, oh, anytime there's a woman in peril, like it's it's not feminist, I don't want to watch it. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking like there's different ways to tell stories that put the women at the center, but then they could be flawed. They don't have to be perfect. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, a, like a story like um, Raw, which played at TIFF a couple of years ago about this young woman who's a vegetarian she discovers that she actually likes to eat human flesh i mean it's a really strange sort of coming of age tale but i think it it's something that's relatable despite the kind of grotesque subject matter i think i'd like to see more things like that um you know like i i have no issue with slasher films as a subgenre but i i like when there's something sort of different that sort of transcends the tropes of the genre i think i'd like to see more of that kind of stuff and things that sort of mix genres together um for me personally um i would love to see more horror that is um, a little bit more literary than a lot of what's out there um i also really love experimental type books kind of like um house of leaves um i love that and i know that was very kind of a divisive book. People either seem to love it or hate it. I was definitely on the love it side of the fence. Um, and also I would like to see um, some exploration of maybe different mythologies and just different voices exploring um, maybe different types of monsters and things like that, rather than, you know, kind of the same old zombies and, you know, werewolves and things like that. And I'd like to just see more women continue to write horror. Um, I mean, I know I, I, see reports and so forth every once in a while from editors who say that they still get far fewer submissions from women than they do from men. And I'm truthfully not at all sure what the answer to that is. So um, I know sometimes I think women almost are not as willing to put themselves out there into submission piles as men are. Um, I've had a few women tell me that, which kind of shocked me because that was something I never had a problem with. But I hope that women will continue to write and submit to horror in growing numbers. Leslie, Morgan, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us for this discussion today. Now, before we say goodbye, I really would like you to tell our listeners where they can find you online and even more importantly, where they can find your work. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, PopShifter. That was the name of the site that I ran for about 10 years. And I will post things to my work there pretty much every day um, because I write for so many different publications. That's probably the best way to find me. Um, for me, I think the simplest thing would be actually be my Amazon page as far as where to get my work. It's under Morgan Sylvia. 
Um, I'm on Facebook as Morgan Sylvia. I have an author page there. Um, I have a WordPress site, which is uh, Morgan Sylvia or WordPress, morgansylvia.wordpress.com. And I'm on Twitter as Morgan Sylvia 11. Um, so, I mean, basically just Google Morgan Sylvia should come up, hopefully. And for me, everything is linked through my website, which is pretty easy. It's just lisamorton.com. From there, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter or Amazon, or you can um, get my monthly author newsletter. Great. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you for being part of our 2018 Women in Horror Month show. And I wish you all the best in the coming year. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. You can find the Great Lakes Horror Company on Facebook. Just search for us by name and on Twitter at GL Horror Podcast. If you have a question, comment, or idea for a future show, please email us at glhc at horror-writers.ca. The Great Lakes Horror Company is sponsored by libraryofthedam.com. The show is produced by Sefer Jerome and Monica S. Kubler. Our theme music has been provided by Leslea Kirvorst.